Welcome to NeuroNoodles Neurofeedback Neuropsychology Podcast featuring tech legend Jay Gunkelman. He is the man who has read well over a half a million brain scans. Our goal is to provide information and promote options for better mental health. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. MindMedia.com. Get the latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now. Good. John Mackrut, you you uh, suggested that we have Marvin to... Berman on. Who who is Marvin, John? Well, well, it, what, what prompted me was I know you had Lou Lim on. Yep. Talking about PBM, and I, like. I said, "Geez, I know a guy. <laughs> I, I I was introduced. I was introduced to PBM through uh, Lou Lim actually at a conference. I didn't know Marvin at the time." So, you know, just over the years, it sort of weaved itself together. And lo and behold, here's Marvin with his extensive uh, background in uh, in PBM and neurofeedback. And I said, oh, what a good match for the NeuroNoodle. So we can talk about all kinds of fun stuff because Marvin is a, is, a, is a clinician. He's a researcher. He does all kinds of good stuff. He's a, he's uh, a I'll light let, guy. I'll let, him do his, I'll let him do his own bio. I just, <laughs> I, I respect this man immensely for the kind of the breadth of knowledge that he has around it. And then Marvin, before you get going, let's say hello to Dr. Marie. Marie Swingle. <laughs> hello. <laughs> who's, who's ugly in the dark, Marie? <laughs> okay, you know what? I'm going to turn the lights on. We're we're in a smoke and heat wave, and it's oh, not bad that we're trying to keep up. But I'll I'll make myself present. Oh yeah, hello, just Marvin. Nice to meet you. <laughs> a flashlight under the chin, you know, whatever you need to do. Okay. <laughs> So, so, so Marvin, tell us about uh, you. You're a light guy, but you also have uh, you have an interesting. Uh, I, I was looking you, you up. My website. Yeah, <laughs> talk, talk to us about that. Well, there are two websites that are relevant to each other in this conversation. One is QuietMindFDN.org, and that's the Quiet Mind Foundation which I started back in 2000 as a 501c3 nonprofit when I started uh, learning about neurofeedback <laughs> from kind of the left, the left outer edge of the neurofeedback community at the time, which was Len Oaks. And Len was a friend of mine in Philadelphia. He and I were interested in body-mind interaction of, uh, of from a psychoanalytic point of view. Um, and so I came at this from that point of view, but I had patients that came uh, with head injury histories that I didn't even know about. Um, but that, that was the kind of beginning of the whole process. The other website is Neuronic dot online so it's n-e-u-r-o-n-i-c dot online and trust me i didn't come up with that name i was gonna say that's so a that fun. came up that was i i i didn't i i the guys who came up with that english is either their, it's either their second or third language 
So they're the co-founders of Neuronic. And when I said, oh, you already signed off on that name. And they were like, oh, yeah, isn't it a great name? And I was like, well, have you ever heard of the word moronic? And they were like, no, what's that? And I said, so then you probably have never heard of the word neurotic. And they're like, no. I'm like, nah, you'll find out. <laughs> so I just, you know, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So it's like, okay. Anyway, it's a good, it's a good conversation starter. But um, yeah, I got into this from my relationship with Len back in 1997 and started looking at neurofeedback because I had people who had these, you know, head trauma issues and they started, you know, saying, oh, I have this, you know, the pages, the lights move around, the, the lights blink in my head and the words move around on the page. And I said offhandedly, you know, what, you got hit in the head? And the guy said, what, you mean like a car accident? And I went, oh, wait a minute. I was kidding. Did you really get hit in the head? <laughs> it was like, oh, you know, not really. And I'm like, wait, no, what does not really mean? So, oh, I fell down the basement steps. Johnny hit me with a baseball bat. And I'm like, oh, my God, you're not neurotic. Your brain injured. What do I do now? Right? So I pick up the phone and I'm like, hey, Len, uh, that stuff that you're doing, does that have anything to do with people getting hit in the head? He said, meet me in Florida at the brain. Remember uh, the brain meeting? your brain in meeting. Yeah, that. So, yeah, yeah. So we get locked in a hotel room in Key West for three days and he's showing me like the blinking glasses and the EEG. And I'm like, really? Okay, fine. So I take all this stuff, Windows 95 tower, right? I haul all this back to my office in Philadelphia and I'm, you know, all right, whatever. Here, do this. And I do this with the patients. I don't know, six sessions, three sessions of that. Plus, you know, I'm doing psychoanalytic, body-centered psychotherapy for, with this guy for five years. So what do I know? So we do this thing. He goes, he comes back in. He goes, okay, well, that's done. I'm like, what do you mean that's done? He's like, oh, it's not happening anymore. And I'm like, okay, whatever. I put it in the closet. And I'm like, okay, so now I know what to do when somebody comes in with their head injury. I'll do this blinking light thing. Then I have another patient come in and she had a car accident. I'm like, ah, I know what to do now. So I, get, I do the thing with her, three sessions, four sessions. She's fine. Then the first guy comes back and says, funny thing happened. I just went to my allergist and he cut my he cut my theophylline in half. Well, why are you telling me? Well, it must have been that thing you did with me. And I'm like, get the hell out of here. That doesn't have anything. A week later, the first woman, the woman who came with the car accident comes in and she goes, you know, the funniest thing happened. I just went to my allergist and he took me off all allergy medication. What? Yeah, he said, I don't have uh, allergies anymore. My my thing is, you know, I don't have uh, whatever. And it must have been that thing you did with me. And I'm like, hold on, wait a minute. What the hell? Right? So I'm like, Len, what? <laughs> and he's like, 
uh, yeah, that's how it works. And I'm like, okay. So then I started looking at and realizing that neurofeedback is not Glen Oaks. Neurofeedback is this whole other thing. So I just got into it at that level and started learning more and more and more. Then when I started looking at the literature on in neurology about dementia, because I had my mom and my grandmother and other people, and it was becoming an issue in my practice. So I started looking at neurology's literature and it was very, very clear, you know, the, as people progress in dementia, the slow wave amplitudes go up, the fast wave amplitudes go down. Great. So then I start looking for, okay, now what do you do? Nothing. It, they just kept repeating the same damn study over and over and over. And I'm like, what the hell? And then I was like, oh, neurology. What am I looking for? This is ridiculous. So then I realized because I looked at Sturman at the very beginning and I was like, wait, Sturman modified mid-range mid activity for epilepsy. Why the hell isn't, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. Why doesn't neurology know that the first line treatment for seizure disorder is neurofeedback because we're supposedly doing the less invasive thing before the more invasive thing, right? No, they didn't know because who published, you know, when did Barry Sturman ever publish anything in the American Journal of Neurology? Neurology. Never. Who, who else published in the American Journal of Neurology about neurofeedback? Bupkis. So then I went, oh, this is the, this is the silo problem. Nobody's talking to anybody. So that's when we at Quiet Mind, I went, oh, all right. So then we got quiet. We got a grant. That's a whole other story. But we got a grant. So we then did neurofeedback in the office. And we set up people at home to do training with their own, with their care, you know, the caregiver working with the patient with people with early early to mid-stage dementia, and we compared the groups, and there was no difference between the groups, and we said, okay, train down the slow waves, train up the fast waves, and we'll do a neuropsych battery on memory function, right? Duh. The people who learned how to control their slow wave amplitudes and, and brought up the mid-range scored significantly better on the memory scores. So I was like, oh, okay, this is great, but then wait a minute. This is just changing the slope of decline. This isn't really treating the underlying neurodegenerative disorder. It's just changing the slope, which is great, but it's not the answer. In the middle of that study, I get an email from the guy who gave us the grant. And he had a lot of zeros after his name. So he gave us $187,000 and it was like lunch money to him. So he sends me an email. The subject line is, what the hell is this? And there's a link to the Daily Mail in London. You know what the Daily Mail is? Mm -hmm. Right? It's like the National Enquirer. Yeah. This, this guy is a hardcore agricultural biochemist. There is no way in hell he's reading the Daily Mail in London, right? No way. Then I look and I'm like, he's desperate. He'll look for anything. 
So I look at, and the article is like, UK researchers reverse dementia using infrared light. I'm like, oh, that's what caught his attention. This is all crap. Then I look and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This isn't a Daily Mail article. It's an article about the an, a paper published in the British Journal of Neuroscience. Oh, so then I go read the journal. I read the references and I'm like, Jesus Christ, these guys are not kidding. So I call the guy back and I'm like, look, if you want, I'll go to England and I'll get one of these things for your wife. And him being who he is, he goes, see if they'll come here. So I'm on the phone. Hi, Dr. Dougal. You don't know me. I'm a psychologist in Plymouth Meeting, Pennsylvania. Ever heard of me? So can I get you to come to Villanova, Pennsylvania with your gizmo? What would it take to put it on this guy's wife's head? He gives me a number. I call John back and he's like, uh, wire transfer or check? Okay, six weeks later, Gordon Dougal and his helmet are in Villanova and they're putting it on this lady. We do neuropsych testing before. She does this treatment twice a day. And this is the Cognitolite. Well, the early, early, early version of the Cognitolite. So we do the testing. We put it on her head. I'm like, okay, so we're going to come to the house twice a day. They're like 10 minutes away from my office. So I send my research assistant in the morning. I go in the afternoon and that's it. So we're two and a half weeks into the process. Ashley comes back to the office at 11 in the morning, tears. What's the matter? Oh my God, I can't believe it. She was so angry. Wait, who was angry? Oh, Mrs. Hodge, she was so angry. And they had such a fight. I'm like, a fight? This woman has primary progressive aphasia. <laughs> right? What do you mean a fight? Oh, she was yelling at him. What was she saying? Well, she was saying, like, where the hell do you get off, you know, arranging to visit our son in Oregon without really discussing? I'm like, hold on, hold on. Did all of those words come out of her mouth at once? And she's like, yeah, they were getting into a big fight. The phone rings. It's John. Oh, my God. I can't believe it. She was so pissed. I got my wife back. Click. <laughs> That's a, it's a rare opportunity for a husband to enjoy his wife's anger. I mean, I'm literally standing there you looking at what the you phone. <laughs> I'm looking at the phone like... Yeah. What the hell just happened? And then it and then it was like click. The light is facilitating a decrease in the inflammation. It's increasing cellular metabolism and therefore the neurofeedback that we're doing is actually able to have the desired effect of you know in to some degree renormalizing the neural connectivity and it all went kind of click 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 and i went ah that's the answer put them to put the two together yeah so that's that's been that's been it since 2008 that's the whole that's the whole thing we've been working on don't you love serendipity so, in this universe I'm telling you, it just was so, it was so incredible. And then, you know, that opened up the whole, what is photobiomodulation? And 
you know, what, I remember Marvin, mitochondria you just said from it. biology. What, what, what is photobiomodulation? It is literally the modulation, it's the change, the, in, the in, instituting of change in biological systems through the introduction of light energy. So in this case, it was the near infrared wavelength of light, right? And that's like 85% of the reason there's life on earth is because of near infrared light. So more and more and more, I've got to see what the story is about how cellular metabolism is influenced by specific, you know, wavelengths and frequencies and other aspects of, you know, light energy. So now there's a case to be made on a, on a biological level for the photobiomodulation, which has been around for, I don't know, since the 60s, since Andre Mester in the 60s was shining a laser on, you know, cancer lesions in mice. And the power of the laser was too weak to actually treat the laser. But then he noticed that all of the hair around the animal that was getting exposed to the laser light was growing at twice the rate of all the other hair. And it was like, duh, oh, I have a new business opportunity. I'm going to grow hair. You know, people are going to regrow their hair. And that's really where that's really where it went. That's really what happened. There was like all this hair growth stuff, you know, and now you've got the baseball cap, you know, the capitalists. There's all of that out there now for that are people are using to grow hair and women are doing it and guys are doing it for wrinkle removal and acne scarring and, you know, basal cells carcinoma. It goes on and on and on. But that was the beginning back in the 60s. And then it's it's progressed. And now with the double stack emitters and the LEDs, the, the, the technology has gotten to the point where lasers are not really what you want to be using and and it's gone even further because now um the work that our colleagues at ut arlington Hanley Lu and and greg pruitt they showed that, that when you use laser light to, to increase um cytochrome c oxidase and oxygenated hemoglobin right it does go more, it does increase it more than LED, right? At the same wavelength or approximately the same wavelength, you get the same increase up to four minutes and then the laser increases it even more. But when you turn off the light, the laser, the attenuation drops like a rock. When you turn off the LED, the attenuation doesn't stop. In fact, it drops a little bit and then it increases. So I have the paper, I can send it to you, but it was very clear that the LED stimulation that was broader and affecting more mitochondria had a much better effect for what we're trying to accomplish than the lasers. So we just focused on using 1070 LEDs because of what the people in UK were using, they were using 1070 nanometer light, not a 10. And the reason was because of the peak transmission through the pure water molecule is at 1070. Right. I didn't ask you this question uh, last time you were on. Uh-oh. Uh, Uh-oh. <laughs> and this is one that 
<laughs> that got 18,000 uh, views. John, what is neurofeedback? <laughs> Neuro, neurofeedback is a learning it's it's an exposure to a, in well, the way I do it. I, there are other other practitioners where I perhaps might uh, uh, differ in their opinion. I view it as a an exposure to your own brain signals from which your brain, being the incredibly interested organ that it is, learns how to manage itself better. And by managing itself better, your behaviors change. You know, it's all, it's about it's about stability, flexibility, resilience. You know, the inherent qualities that uh, you know a, a well balanced brain. <laughs> that's the name of my company. Um, that a well balanced brain provides to the human being. And out of that basic platform, stability and flexibility comes best behaviors, the ability to perceive the world as it is and make quick and pretty accurate judgments about its validity. So therefore you can take an action that is appropriate to the situation. Where you, where people get into trouble is they're misperceiving it, acting back and, and therefore acting badly because they haven't calculated the reality properly. No, no fault of theirs, not a character flaw. It's, it's, it's a brain problem. Yeah. Some of the things yeah. I just wanted, I wanted to throw out there in the world just for clinicians and for any consumers who might be watching, Tell your therapist about your brain injuries. You know, this is a drill down that we're, we've all experienced it. You ever had, a, ever had a brain injury? No. Okay, you find out somewhere later in the interview process, well, there was that car accident with the airbags, well, yeah, uh, the, you know, the thing you fell out of a tree, oh yeah, the bicycle accident, the motorcycle, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden you find out they've had six relatively major brain yeah. insults in their life and they yeah. didn't think to acknowledge that that's real you know the there's a wonderful by the way midway yeah. through therapy it's yeah. like oh okay if we yeah. had known this yeah. exactly because right. it, right. it helps us as clinicians to to do a better job for you oh as... it's the third question it's the third question of my interview in that very moment when the guy said oh i fell down the basement steps i was like schmuck third <laughs> question on interview from now on yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And, that, and the a, other question was, this have you ever had, oh, oh Mari, I'm sorry. The third question includes, have you ever had general anesthesia? Mm -hmm. Good point. Because mm -hmm. yes. every general anesthesia is a head trauma. Yeah. Not, 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 not local, not Versed, propofol. Yeah. So that became a whole other conversation with people like, oh, I've had, you know, I've had surgery, but. What's that got to do with it? And now Botox. Yeah. That, that's with the extreme popularity of Botox. That That's a message I would really love to get out there. Um, I don't know about you folks. Um, well, yeah, what's the general opinion? Because that affects the readings. Um, I'm sure we all know it's a neurotoxin, et cetera. It freezes muscles. But how it affects the EEG. There's, there's a little bit of a, a gap there in terms of understanding how it affects um, the actual um, current um, in the brain. Any Anybody have any opinions there? I don't know. Taking poison probably has something to do with it. <laughs> I did read something yeah. recently about yeah. Botox and mirror neurons. 
That's oh my gosh, yes. I've been saying that to my, I'm going to be gender biased, no apologies. I've been saying that to my female clients for years, in particular mothers, okay? When you have a young mother who has given herself Botox, again, no apologies, what we, we, we call bitch face, okay? There's this freeze, okay? And you're interacting with a newborn with dramatically reduced facial uh, expression. What is, what is the purpose of all primary interaction with a newborn? Okay, yeah, it's yeah. learning facial cues, facial expression, learning that you're loving. I, I could go on and on and oh. on. So please, if we can disseminate this, um, and, and also in terms of, yeah, not even, well, if we wanna get into the mirror neurons, but just in terms of the interaction, now, when you are engaging with somebody who has it, an unmoving structure, the falsity, uh, you know, when we I'll take my glasses off, but everybody knows that that type of smile is a smile of a rat or a fox, right? Um, you know, it's the, it's the type of smile of somebody you can't trust. The eyes need to be uh, involved. So, oh, no, it's, it's very important. And I mean, it's it, it to me, it's kind of cultural. I mean, the cultural analog of you know being in such a being in such a culture that's so divided and so mm. hostile you mm. know in such a hostile environment to then find that one of the most important and attractive movies for for children and for parents to, to take to frozen <laughs> i mean really frozen okay what I mean, it, you know, come on, that's not that's not a big metaphor leap, yeah. right? But yeah. that whole idea of interacting with a baby at eight, you know, and then not having any expression, it's like, yeah, yeah, that's what that's what's going on in our culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Marvin, you you obviously work uh, for any consumers that might be listening. You're working with professional grade infrared systems. Yeah, now you can go on Amazon and you can find right. 5,000 products like you described the, the Fez thing with the, you know, for hair, you know, face masks for, yep. for folks and et cetera, et cetera. Is there a big difference? What should a, what should the, the, the average person be aware of around infrared uh, technologies? Well, certainly if what you're trying to do is, you know, heal, you know, a, a wounded knee, you know, if you've got arthritis, then or if you want to get rid of wrinkles you can use any of those kind of products to get some degree of benefit but again it's 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 always going to come down to you know if if you're if the way i've described it before is if you're happy and you want to be happier then any of those products is probably going to be fine we designed the neuradian at two different price points so that people who are just biohacking and neurohacking can spend $29.95 and get a very, you know, high level professional grade device, but it's something that you can just plug and play, right? It's got just, you know, peace, focus, energize, and glow. And you can use those protocols just by pushing a button and sticking it on your head or sticking it over, you know, using the glow program and putting it on your face. You can also put it on your knee. I mean, yes, you can do all of that. But if you've got a condition or if you've got a history like we like we found with head trauma or 
uh, post-COVID brain fog, which we just published on with Praveen Arani and Bob Bowen. They just published on uh, long COVID brain fog using the Neradian. And they, they were able to completely reverse post-COVID brain fog using the glow setting for 14 minutes, three times a week. And in a month, all the, all the people in the sample had completely gone back to baseline or they were better than baseline. And they did it with the Thor laser, the Thor bed, which is 660 and 850, or they did it with the Neradiant. And they equalized the photonic energy in both devices and everybody in the samples got better. So with those kind of issues, you want somebody who knows how to program the device or can guide you appropriately. But all of those different, you know, devices that are delivering red and infrared light, they can be useful, but trusting the specifications on those boxes is a very risky thing to do. A very, very risky thing to do. Because most of those manufacturers do not know what they're doing. And yeah. if they do, they're not publishing the real specs on those devices. And there are a number of different uh, podcasts where people have been taking you know, real spectrometers to the devices and showing that what was on the spec is not what you're being handed as a product. Right. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's yeah. the world. It's caveat, just the world. Caveat emptor. Yeah. 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 That's yeah. just gotta be true. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank you, Marvin, for bringing that up, that this is, you know, people love me and hate me for my constantly bringing this up because, you know, those of us who have, have learned what we're, we're doing by various uh, modalities, you know, we, we always, you know, assess risk and benefit. Uh, we're somewhat aware of, well, I'm being modest here, but we're aware of the type of equipment we choose, why we choose it. Um, but in terms of a lot of the information, the equipment being sold to the de general public and a lot of professionals that are being spoofed. So thank you for constantly oh, bringing yeah. this up. Because if we oh, don't, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I mean, and those of us, you know, those of us who are trained as psychologists, I was lucky enough to have been trained as an applications engineer in the semiconductor mm -hmm. field in the okay. 70s. Yeah. So okay. I knew what a diode was. I knew yeah. what a spectrometer was. I knew how to measure amplitude and duty cycle. I knew all of that stuff. Yeah. So when I ended up back with Len and he started talking about, you know, the photonic stimulator, and then with the people, you know, at Maculum and, you know, all the people at Durham University who were doing the research, I could follow what they were talking about. Yeah, how many yeah. people, you know, how many of us have that kind of opportunity? No, they, very, yeah. very few, very yeah, few. Yeah. So yeah. I could talk to talk and I could, I could call bullshit. Marvin, yeah. for, the, for the moms and dads and new, new practitioners out there. When do you use light? When do you use neurofeedback? Or some some units have both of them in there. Yeah, well, that's us. I mean, the, the light and the neurofeedback, to me, it's really important that you understand that the light energy is going to make, it's is going to mainly influence the, the, the cellular metabolism and that the neurofeedback is then going to be able to help renormalize neural connectivity. What I've, what I've done with a lot of the clinicians who are using the Neradian now is say, this is something you could use before somebody comes in for neurofeedback 
as a kind of primer for the neuroplasticity. You can also use it afterward as well, but that's that that would be so, the, so the other idea is to send them home with the photobiomodulation and have them come back for the neurofeedback on somewhat regular basis. So you use the light to get you ready for the neurofeedback. You use the neurofeedback to get you ready for talk therapy. And so it's a whole holistic thing, right? That's what everybody's got to get. It's it's not one thing that causes it. It's not one thing that's going to fix it. It's the whole thing and everybody's unique. Is that a fair right. statement? Right. And that and that that it's important, I think, to understand that photobiomodulation is a systemic intervention. Right? We're intervening on the entire energy metabolism, uh, neural, you know, the neural substrates and, and the, and the molecular level activity that's going on is being directly influenced by the light. We just published, uh, a paper on, on quantum, quantum decoherence, uh, related to photobiomodulation with Jack Tuzinski and, Tr and Trent Nichols in the medical hypothesis journal, but it, it, you know, so you understand that it's a systemic intervention. You're intervening at the entire energetic system in the body, not just, you know, changing, uh, muscle tension. I like to say it's, it's how you prepare the access to change or how you access change. Is that a, Good way yep. of putting things. My my acronym my acronym that's developed over time is that we're intervening in turn at the system level. We're intervening in terms of the system's uh, mm -hmm. capacity to respond adaptively. So it's like go. the ARC, the adaptive response capacity, is what we're really trying to influence here, and that the more flexibility we can provide to the system the greater ability to differentiate between similarities and differences that's the level at which we're trying to intervene here and mm -hmm. i think that's true for neurofeedback as well as for photobiomodulation as well as for psychotherapy frankly but that's really what i think we're trying to trying to address is increasing someone's conscious and unconscious ability to respond in the most efficient way possible. How do you know when you when you're done with the light? You know what I mean? Oh, like I love, yeah, I love it. I love that question. When you when you figure out something that's better to spend your money on, go do it. <laughs> Again, the moms and dads, I, they're they're like, <laughs> okay, uh, there's a normative database. I'm gonna do neurofeedback, compare it to somebody who doesn't yeah, have the I, I don't yeah, I, I, yeah, the, uh, in our consultation process, one of the things I've, I've really pressed the other consultants to do, because there's, there are about six or seven consultants with backgrounds, significant backgrounds in neurofeedback, who are now using, who are now working with clients with the Neuradiant to integrate the two. And one of the things that I said is that in the first interview with the, with the client, they have to they have to determine the answer to the question, you know, how would you know that this thing actually worked? Like, how would you know? Not not looking at some colored picture on a on a piece of paper. No. How would you know? Really? No kidding. That this was actually useful. 
And you need to come up with three to five real world metrics, no kidding, that will tell you that this was not placebo. And even if it was placebo, it was worth paying five grand for the placebo. Love it. Love it. Make the client responsibility. Yeah. The, yeah depending on yeah. the profile of the person, it's so, so, so important to have individuals on board. I mean, the other thing is, you know, we, we, we all jump on the massive change, you know, these big therapeutic steps, you know, you were mentioning earlier, you know, a couple of sessions with the early lights. Wow. Miracle. Okay. But so many of our clients are the teeny tiny little steps. And when we're that close to ourselves, uh, it can be hard to see. So yeah. Oh yeah. Really. Yeah. I've, I've done, I've, I've, I've done this. How many now, how many fingers am I holding up? <laughs> how much research do you guys need compared to neurofeedback? A ton. You know what I mean? I mean What's the end? You know what I'm saying, Jay? It's like, <laughs> well, power analysis, the, <laughs> the power analysis that we, Turned out we needed in our initial pilot trial in Texas at Texas A&M <laughs> because the results were so significant. We we could have done an N twelve, right? We went we had sixty nine, but it turned out we only needed twelve to get significance. Wow. So yeah, when you can when you can get an almost five point increase in the mini mental status exam by sticking a, a lamp on your head for six minutes twice a day for two months it's like really R yeah really no kidding hey marvin up the language a little bit doing at parties 30 years ago with the lampshades on their head was this a pre uh... i'm sorry i'm sorry but what are we doing? We're sticking a lamp on your head. A, hot, a, you highly, a highly evolved technical lamp, but a lamp. I yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually, right. I, I should probably reach up and get it. I, I still keep these. You know that. You know the first lights that we made. It's a. It's ski goggles. And up here in Canada, we had this little shop. They've gone um, gone under now, but called Radio Shack. And we attached these little tiny lights in there. I, I I have it up there as a monument. Yeah. Yeah, just sticking lights in there. Yeah. It's right. Well, we're we're now experimenting with a couple of new uh technologies that are uh coming out that have uh LEDs that you can just uh it's kind of like an octopus that you can put on your head and it has goggles. And you can program the lights to go at any any color or any speed that you want. And also yeah. with tactile transducers to deliver pulsed, you know, haptic stimulation at any at any frequency you want. And these things are going to be extremely cheap. They're all 3D printed. So we're looking at that as, you know, something for consumers. We're also looking at a really simple, a, a really simplified model for the post-COVID because, I mean, God, Mari, yeah. if you, you know, I, I start almost every lecture with try and conceptualize the number 350 million, like try mm -hmm. and get your head around that number. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, 151 million is everybody with dementia, Parkinson's and TBI. The other 200 million is everybody who's gotten COVID 
regardless yeah. of severity, mm-hmm. 10 to 30. Now, now the, uh, the number that I just saw was 37%. So 10 to 37% of everyone who's gotten COVID, regardless of severity, is going to develop some kind of neurological issue. That's 200 million people today. Yeah. Right? So uh, coming, you know, coming up with solutions that everybody can get a hold of means we've got to get this down way under a thousand dollars. Yeah. Right? For 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 just for post-COVID. So we're working on how do we make this available to people? I'm meeting with the state senator in Pennsylvania uh next week to talk about how do we get this technology in, in every senior center in in pennsylvania mm-hmm. yeah, so people, you, yeah what's he gonna say uh how much does it cost oh. and are you a democrat <laughs> it's pennsylvania so uh, you're correct on both but what else but, is he gonna ask right you know what i mean it, and it's the same problem with neurofeedback and all this other stuff is it okay. FDA approved? You know, the research. And we're going to say, blah. yeah, we're we're in a different position. That's true, Pete. And we're in a different position because we've already had the conversation with the FDA. We already can say our device is, according to FDA regulations, a non-significant risk device. Okay. So, right. so, so nobody's going to go, you know, cuckoo thinking oh my god we're gonna put like you know we don't have to go through that yeah, we are we, we are in our second q sub meeting with the fda for developing a a, a de novo application for fda approval because that's where we've got to go because this needs to get covered by medicare like yesterday now you have a, you have a a device that I think you told me about uh, an intranasal device, not not that, a head cap. We're testing we're testing the intranasal device. That's only available through Quiet Mind now. That's not a neuronic device. Right, right. Now, the intent of that is is largely COVID related. Yeah. yeah, and if we can show that we can do what we think we can do using the intranasal for for post COVID, then great. And the, and the logic, just because people are out there listening who have no idea what we're talking about, what is the intranasal thing? Because I know it comes with the V light, I know, and that's always been a roadblock for some people to go. I have to shove this up my nose, really. But what is the purpose of the well, intranasal? Only, only a little bit. You only have to put it no, in. Your no, 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 no. <laughs> you know exactly. But you know, it makes you you go on their website. You look odd. You got this thing on your head and the thing up your nose. So it's it's yeah. it's aesthetically not, not as comfortable uh, looking, perhaps, as somebody might find attractive. But if you could just tell us, or or the consumer out there who doesn't know what this means, what does the intranasal application add to or support? Well, blue head cap. Okay, well, Lou and I, Lou and I both agree that there's there's some value in getting the photons up into the entorhinal cortex, and given the power of the light that you can deliver up your nose, you can get a significant number of photons up into that up into that area. So, a the COVID virus enters the body primarily through the olfactory lobe. So if you can kill the suckers before they get into you, 
that's a good thing. Right. We know that the 1070 light is capable of killing MRSA. So it's definitely capable of killing SARS-CoV-2. So for that purpose alone, it's a good thing. The other Are thing is Are we dancing that, into prevention? Well, that's where we, we can now say that this is prevention oriented because the same clinical trial that we did with the dementia population in Texas and in Philly was then replicated in England, in the UK, by with normal subjects and we've got the paper so i mean anybody who wants the paper can write to me at, at quiet mind and i'll be happy to or neuronic and i'll be happy to share it but or i'll send them over to you pete and they can put them on your website oh, for the you. podcast but the the point is you can't talk about you can't use the word prevent until you've already demonstrated the word treat mm -hmm. So we now can we know we can say treat because of the study in, in Texas with a clinical population. Now, the same the same protocol was used with the exact same device with people who didn't have any diagnosis and their motor flexibility, their memory, quote, their memory scores all went up 20 percent. Using the same exact application and protocol. Wow. So if you can if you can show that people improve that are normal and people improve that are clinical, now you can say it's prevent it's a preventive device. So that's the 1070 wavelengths. Can we can say that? So now if we can stick the 1070 wavelength up your nose, and we know that we can stimulate your entire body's blood supply in four minutes. By, by putting the light up your nose, right? Because your entire body's blood supply passes from there to there in every four minutes. So if you do that for 20 minutes, you've irradiated your whole body's blood supply five times. There are some degree of free-floating mitochondria in the blood. Right. You can, I don't know what else to say that I could really you know lean against you know, clinically or, for, or from a scientific point of view, I don't know how much value can be ascribed to stimulating the mitochondria in the blood. I would, I would definitely be saying there's a logical argument to be made that getting that irradiated blood into your brain is probably a good thing. And we, we could tie this to, you know, sort of our cultural, um, um, uh, problem that we have of we're living indoors now more than we ever have you know we're in front of computer screens and we go in a car you know to travel and airplane you know whatever we're not getting as much natural light in our lives that our ancestors did there had to be a benefit to it obviously and extremely in extremes it'll kill you but in, that's great in that's great i i i almost always start people by going hey this is basically what we've been for a good hundred or so thousand years. This is, this is pretty much the design. Okay. When this a hundred thousand years ago, when the sun came up, what did you do? Got up. <laughs> and when the, and when the sun went down, what did you do? Right. Yeah. Then that idiot Edison comes along and you know, it's all screwed up. So, 
how many issues we have are directly because we've screwed up our circadian rhythm. Circadian you know? rhythm so, exactly. How many issues? And so Jay, I mean, Jay, I'm sure I know is very clear on this, you know, that a lot of what neurofeedback ends up being about is the renormalization of circadian rhythm at first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we all, you know, I'm sleeping better, I'm getting better rest. It's like there it is. Yeah. And we'd you know, all be out of business if if people actually, you know, followed a couple of really, really basic rules. And I I I'd I'd be happy to write retire out if people did. Yeah. It's it's um I don't want to get too dramatic here, but it's it's a sad set of affairs. No, Even, no. I'm, no, Mari, you're right. We're all supposed to be working ourselves out of a job, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, you know. Yeah. Marvin yeah, and I say that. Marvin in the yeah. panel. I, I know you're gonna throw uh eggs at the screen, but what symptoms can oh, light God. help? <laughs> For the moms go and dads, on. they don't know any better. I know, but it's like go on, okay, go on. ADHD. Okay, neurofeedback is good efficacy. If I have something, go to the light. Go towards the light. <laughs> what do I go <laughs> yes. towards the light yes. for? Play, play playback clip from Poltergeist. Definitely playback clip. Um. I Again, Mar Marvin is suggesting this is his, the application of infrared is systemic. So right. I, 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 I find it hard to to say, oh, it's there's a there's a condition out there that it's not going to be good for. Well, let's do it. Let's do it. Yes, because my other mm -hmm. argument that I always, you know, it's like you're getting all my my bits that I do with patients. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's like if if the if the disorder is mediated by the central nervous system. And what we're doing is specifically directed toward enhancing the efficiency of the central nervous system, then isn't the better question to ask what won't improve? Yeah, what what can't you do? Yeah. And to your point though, it, you know, uh, consumers, find that kind of grand statement oh come on you know so like you can't work on everything well this is the well, I mean, let's go back to the brain uh, gentleman exactly. here right? right you know what is the 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 master in, in instrument i mean we've been joking about this in terms of you know how the the, the field of psychology and, and medicine in general is like it's all in your head it's all in your head yeah. you know <laughs> in the vault gallery but where the hell do you expect it to be it's in the master center it's just a matter of our understanding the system better to be able to um you know integrate with its function uh and well, as i said before access change um yeah if i may from from a psychodynamic history point of view the 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 dependency need and wanting the answer and wanting the specific answer that's going to, you know, mommy make the boo boo go away. Yeah. And that, you know, behind behind all of those questions is mommy make the boo boo go away. Yeah. And so but mommy with, can accelerate repair the boo boo and mommy can uh, decelerate or prevent repair of the boo-boo, right? Yeah. So, yeah, they're, they're yeah, let's not ignore that element as well.
And that's not sexist in the sense that it's all about mommy. Sorry. Hey, I was talking about bo Botox earlier. There's a difference all between right, sexism okay. and, we're, we're and gender right, appropriate. We're even. We're even. Marvin, you light up my life, buddy. What's the best way for <laughs> you? Oh, 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 that's the other clip. That is definitely the other. That's the that's the soundtrack. That's the that's what I provide to, to you, that's Marvin. That's the soundtrack. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> what is the best way for our users and watchers to find out more about you and your two sites? What are the two sites that we're talking about? Quiet, yeah, quiet, uh, quiet mind, FDN. So that's quietmindfdn.org. That's the nonprofit research and consultation. And then Neuronic, N-E-U-R-O-N-I-C dot online, that's the European-based, actually Germany-based company that has taken responsibility for commercializing the work that we've been doing at Quiet Mind. So we're, we're the research and development function for, Quiet, for Neuronic. And so all of the profit, that's the... This is kind of the Robin Hood gambit that we've been doing of all of the profit from generated by Neuronic is going back into research and development. Nice. Well, Marvin, thank and you for coming on the Neuro Noodle Network podcast. You really have lit up my day. Dr. Marie Swingle, John Meckrit, and of course, Jay Gunkelman, the man who's read over 500,000 brain scans. Thank you all for coming on. What a great show. Take care, guys. Thanks a lot. The NeuroNoodle Podcast is supported by listeners and businesses just like you. Like our silver supporter, Mind Media. The latest EEG and neurofeedback technology from MindMedia.com. Their semi-dry sensor cap is a wonder to see, and their EEG amplifiers have been trusted in the field for decades. Their neurofeedback and QEEG courses will get you up to speed in no time. Visit MindMedia.com now.